Today on Blue 58, the Packers have added a new tight end to their minicamp roster. Let's get to know the latest member of the team. Then Blake Martinez brings a lot to the table, but what are the Packers' long-term plans for their middle linebacker? And may they have told us already. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Got some good stuff to talk about in this one. Most of it, like I said, up top, Blake Martinez. But first, let's dive into the discussion on Pharaoh McKeever. Cool name, new tight end, and he's a big one. Six foot six, 253 pounds, according to Packers.com, and pretty athletic to boot. Not overwhelming, but not really a slouch either. 4.79 in the 40, a 31 and a half inch vertical, 119 inches in the broad jump, fairly explosive. Everything else about him, though, is kind of unusual. Uh, he has had quite a journey to get to Green Bay. Dating back to high school, he's played five different positions, quarterback, safety, wide receiver, defensive end, and tight end. He started his college career at NC State as a wide receiver, but spent his entire first year at NC State redshirted. That's not uncommon, but he spent it as a wide receiver before moving to defensive end before spring practices before he headed into his uh, second season in NC State. As a redshirt freshman, he moved to defensive end and did fairly well. He had a few decent plays on the year, including a spectacular 82-yard interception return for a touchdown, and it looked like he was kind of rounding into form. His redshirt sophomore, sophomore year 2015 was even a little bit better. He played defensive end all season, but then was moved to tight end just before bowl practices start. And uh, he did all right there, considering he had only been playing tight end for a few weeks. He caught an 82-yard touchdown pass in NC State's bowl game in 2015. In 2016, he doesn't really get many opportunities, though he's playing tight end full-time at this point. He graduates, transfers to Florida International University, and finally gets a real opportunity to show what he can do. 27 catches, 301 yards, and three touchdowns as a redshirt senior. So an okay athlete, an unusual past. Is he any good? Well, probably not. He was the number 37 rated tight end in the class, in the 2018 draft class, that is, by NFLDraftScout.com. They're fairly reliable with their ratings, so I would consider that a pretty, pretty fair assessment of this young man. But on the other hand, even though he hasn't really shown that he's a great player so far, he's the kind of guy that I think is worth taking a short look at. These are the roster churn type guys. You're going to sign and release a whole bunch of these guys. You're not really expecting anything at all. But you bring him in, you take a look at him for a couple weeks, and if you don't like what you see, you cut him loose. And you try to bring in some other guy who's got some unusual physical attributes and may or may not be a great athlete. That's how you find those kind of diamond-in-the-rough type players. They had some success with that last year. Maybe McKeever is the next one in that, you know, process. He may not be. He's probably not going to be. But that's not really the point. He's an interesting guy, and it's been interesting to to read a little bit about his story so far. Let's talk about Blake Martinez. Callum got in just after the deadline for our last episode when we did a few reader or listener questions. But he asked such a good one. I want to take another look at it here. He asks, is Blake Martinez the most important player on the Packers defense? And should we be more concerned that he is entering a contract year? and unlikely to be re-signed. Two questions, Callum. I appreciate it. Get your money's worth there. Good stuff. Love the hustle. First question, is Blake Martinez the most important player on the Packers defense? 
I think there are three contenders for the most important role. Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez, and Jair Alexander. Here's why. Kenny Clark is the best player on the Packers defense. I don't think there's much question about that at this point. Everybody's pretty aware of what Kenny Clark can do now. Jair Alexander is the best player on the defense's most important unit. The Packers need a lot out of their secondary this year. If their secondary fails, it doesn't really matter how much they spent on Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and how high they drafted Rashawn Gary. If they can't cover, it's not going to matter. They need Jair Alexander to be good. And he's probably the single most important player in the secondary. If you wanted to argue it's Adrian Amos or maybe even Darnell Savage, I probably wouldn't argue a whole lot. I think it's Jair Alexander. Martinez is the best linebacker. And when I say linebacker, I mean the not the edge rushing linebackers. I mean the inside linebacker types. He's the best one of those that the Packers have. He never comes off the field and he wears the communicator headset. Three really important attributes. They have no one left on the roster who has even done that job in the NFL. Haha, Clinton Dix was the only other person on the Packers roster who had, and he is now in Chicago. I think any one of these guys could legitimately be called the best or most important player on defense. Maybe most important. We know who the best one is. It's Kenny Clark. However, I also think out of these three, the Packers would probably have the easiest time weathering the loss of Blake Martinez. Most of his value and most of what gets him into the conversation for most important player on the Packers defense are kind of soft skills, which are huge and difficult to replace in the short term. But I think if you had to go without one of them, it would be easiest to replace his hard skills, the things that he does, you know, your 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 tackling, your running, your coverage and stuff like that. His intelligence, uh, his knowledge of the defense, that would be hard to replace. And just, you know, the, the practice he has with the headset communication, that's important stuff and that would be hard to get over. But I think the other things that he does would be easier to replace than the things that Jair Alexander or Kenny Clark do. So is he the most important? No. Is he still very important? Yes. Then Callum asks, should we be more concerned that he's entering a contract here and unlikely to be resigned? A little bit wonky on the phrasing. So I'm reading this and Callum, if you read this or listen to this and, and this was not what you were asking, correct me and we can get that answered for you. But he, I, I'm reading this as, should we be concerned that the Packers haven't resigned him yet? The answer to that question, of course, depends on whether or not you think the Packers should re-sign Blake Martinez. So let's try to answer that. Should the Packers re-sign Blake Martinez? To get to the answer to that question, I think we have to ask and answer four other questions. First, what is Blake Martinez as a player? Then what is he not? Third, what is he likely to be? And fourth, what is all this going to cost? Number one, what is Blake Martinez as a player? Well, he is a tackling machine. Over the past two years alone, he has 185 solo tackles, 286 tackles in total. He's been up, either tied for, or very near the league lead each of those past two seasons. He's also very dependable. Once he's gotten into fully formed or relatively fully formed Blake Martinez, i.e. after his rookie season, he's been hard to get off the field. He's played in all 16 games each of the last two seasons. In 2018, he played 98.59% of the snaps, 1,049 in total. In 2017, it was just over 93% 
about 979 in total. Not about exactly 979 in total. He just doesn't come off the field, and he's getting a lot of tackles while he's out there. And kind of like we hinted to up top, uh, he is assignment sure. The Packers can count on him to be in the right place at the right time and also to know where everybody else is at all times. All very important stuff. And it's good to focus on those positive attributes, I think, first and foremost. If you're looking to resign a guy, you probably want to be familiar with what he can do for you. But Blake Martinez also has limitations, as does every other player. He is not overly athletic, and that's been the the knock on him since he came out of Stanford. The scouting report on NFL.com leading up to the draft uh, says he was a slow-twitch athlete with borderline play speed, doesn't have reactive athleticism to quickly recover back into his duties after biting on fakes. Bleacher report, an average player in terms of straight-line speed, a lack of explosiveness, limits Martinez as a playmaker. Testing numbers not outstanding either, a 4.7140, good but not great. 28 and a half inch vertical, not great either, though he did have really good agility numbers. Martinez is also not what you'd qualify or quantify as a big time playmaker. In 2017 and 2018 combined, he didn't have an overabundance of splash plays. He had just 20 tackles for loss, one forced fumble, one interception, 11 passes defended over 32 games, so less than half of one per game, and six sacks, five of which came in 2018, and they were pretty much all delayed blitz, schemed pressure. It wasn't like he was beating somebody with athleticism or with some kind of one-on-one move. And that's fine. Get sacks however you can, but it's important to, to recognize the kind of sacks too, I think. Among players designated as linebackers on pro football reference, and it's a pretty narrow definition, you kind of have to play around with their their play finder tool a little bit. Uh, Martinez was hardly unique in these numbers. 17 players had at least 20 tackles for loss over the past two years. 82 linebackers had at least one interception. More than 100 had at least one fumble forced, and 13 had at least 11 passes defended. However, among defensive players as a whole, only four players throughout the entire league had those numbers combined. And Martinez was the only linebacker, the only linebacker in the NFL to total 20 tackles for loss, an interception, a fumble forced, and at least 11 passes defensed combined over the past two seasons. The other three league-wide were Cameron Jordan, the defensive end from New Orleans, who just signed a big new deal, Chris Jones, the defensive tackle out of Kansas City, who is staying away from their team activities because he wants a new contract in Kansas City, and Carlos Dunlap, the longtime defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals. So not huge numbers in any one place, and probably not the staggering playmaker numbers that you'd expect from a guy who's looking to get paid, but kind of a low-level stat stuffer too. He's doing a lot of good things for the Packers. So maybe not a big-time playmaker, like I said, but not not a playmaker either. The third question is the most important one. This is the one that matters most for thinking about re-signing Blake Martinez. What is Blake Martinez likely to be? You don't re-sign guys for what they've done. You re-sign for what you project them to be. I think given what we know about Blake Martinez, it's fair to assume he's probably going to be what he is right now, for the foreseeable future, probably for the life of a contract extension, three to five years, something like that. 
a reliable guy who gets a lot of tackle, tackles. Not a great great playmaker, but not terrible. And a guy you can count on to be where he needs to be and help others get to where they need to be. So let's circle back to the beginning. As we approach the, the key of these four questions, what is it going to cost to re-sign Blake Martinez? And depending on what it costs, should they? First, let's look at what players similar to Blake Martinez have gotten in the relatively recent past. We're going to look who, for guys who are reliable like Martinez is, who get a lot of tackles, and who can make some plays. How do you quantify those things? Well, reliables, I'm going to look at for guys that have started at least 16 games in one season at least once. And guys who have gotten 90 or more solo tackles in that same season. And who have gotten at least 10 tackles for loss in one of those seasons. Tackles for loss of the ones that we looked at seem to be the most, you have to do this consistently kind of stat. Uh, it's easy to have an interception fall in your lap or to just get a fish on a ball by accident and, and knock it out. Um so I, I think tackles for lost is the best way to quantify the playmaking kind of thing related to Martinez's game. So it's a pretty short list over the past decade of guys who have had multiple 90 tackle, 16 start, 10 tackle for lost seasons since 2009. I'm looking for guys that have done it more than once because that's what Martinez has done. Other than Martinez, there's only been five guys over the past 10 years who've had at least two years where they've met those those thresholds. Luke Keekley in Carolina, John Beeson also in Carolina, Levante David in Tampa Bay, James Laurinaitis in St. Louis, and Derek Johnson, formerly of Kansas City, then of Oakland, now retired. Of those, three have gotten significant big money deals kind of in the relatively recent past. Luke Keekley got a five-year, $62 million extension in 2015. Levante David, that same year, signed a five-year, $50 million extension. In 2012, James Laurinaitis signed a five-year, $42 million deal. I'm throwing Derek Johnson and John Beeson out because Beeson uh, got hurt a bunch and then he got kind of an odd extension after getting traded to the Giants, which probably didn't reflect the playmaking levels he was at. Derek Johnson really predates the other significant extensions on this list. In 2010, he signed a six-year deal, which is pretty much unheard of these days. Uh, so we're kind of throwing him out there. So five years, $62 million, five years, $50 million, five years, $42 million. That's a, a fairly good ballpark for a uh, uh, Blake Martinez and the numbers that he could be looking for in his contract extension. However, we've also got to consider what other linebacker types have been getting paid in the recent offseason. There are three off-the-ball linebacker types who are probably at or above the level of Blake Martinez who signed significant deals this offseason. C.J. Mosley signed a five-year $85 million deal with the New York Jets. Quan Alexander signed a four-year $54 million deal with the San Francisco 49ers, and Jordan Hicks signed a four-year $34 million deal with the Arizona Cardinals. It seems like Martinez is probably going to look to land somewhere in that range between the bottom of Jordan Hicks and the absolute top of C.J. Mosley. 
Quan Alexander is just a little bit higher than the previous market-setting deals like Levante David and Luke Keekley. His contract currently works out to an average value of $13.5 million per year. That is the number two figure among all inside linebackers per spot track. CJ Mosley has the top number right now because he signed an absolutely ridiculous deal with the Jets who have more money than they know what to do with. Luke Kuechly's deal, which he signed in 2015, still has him averaging more than or just around $12.3 million per year. League-wide, only about seven million or seven linebackers are averaging $10 million per year or more. I think it's fair to assume that given what Martinez has done and put up numbers uh, like close to the league lead in tackles and been very reliable, he's probably looking for somewhere, somewhere close to the top of the market. And given that the Packers typically search for those below market deals, let's assume if they did come to a deal with Martinez, it would be something like a four-year million deal. That works out to $11.7 million per year. That would be number four average per year in the league. To me, that feels like a hypothetical contract the Packers could sign someone to. Someone who's good at their position, not clearly the best, has been productive. Someone who's uh, important to your team, but not indispensable, and who you want to reward. And you could see someone passing that deal really quickly and making it more of a a bargain for the Packers. So say the deal is probably somewhere in that neighborhood. What do the Packers do here? If that deal is on the table, if that's the number they, they get from Blake Martinez and the Packers are even considering it, should the Packers re-sign Blake Martinez? Martinez is reliable, dependable, assignment sure as a player. He gets a lot of tackles and makes a surprising amount of stat stuffing plays, though not an elite number. He's not an elite athlete either, and he's not making tons and tons of those splash plays. And he's probably going to cost, like I said, about $12 million-ish a year. If that is the sell sheet copy on Blake Martinez, and that's the price tag, if it's me, if I'm Russ Ball or Brian Gutekunst, I think I pass here. I don't think if they have to pay top of market or close to top of market deal for Blake Martinez, the Packers should do this deal. I think if you can you can find linebackers easier than just about any position on defense. Not necessarily like great ones, but serviceable ones. And while the Packers really haven't had elite defenses for most of the past few years, I don't think it was inside linebacker play that was ever really holding them back. And I don't think, even if it was, that Martinez is the solution to those problems. So to go all the way back to the beginning, to Callum's question, should we be the concerned that the Packers haven't re-signed him? I don't think so, because I think it's going to be expensive to do so, and I'm not sure that's a good investment. And I think this is the Packers telling us what they think of both the inside linebacker position and Blake Martinez that they haven't. The typical Packers playbook is to extend early. Look at their three or four most notable recent extensions. Aaron Rodgers signed way earlier than people thought that they should have, and now people are already passing that deal. Can you imagine the size of the check that they would have to write Aaron Rodgers if they had waited until this summer? Devontae Adams 
signed a deal probably earlier than he would have had to, and now it's looking like an extreme bargain. Corey Lindsley, the same thing. Same thing for David Bakhtiari. Even if you want to go as far back or as far down the roster as Lane Taylor, the Packers got deals done when they didn't necessarily have to and saved themselves some money in the process. So why haven't they done the same with Blake Martinez? To me, it kind of seems like maybe they just don't want to do a deal. If they wanted to, I kind of think maybe they would have done it by now. And I kind of think that means that they think that re-signing a linebacker to a big contract, because that's probably what it's going to take for Blake Martinez, is not a good idea. And I think they're right. I wouldn't spend big money on an inside linebacker, even one as good as Blake Martinez. I think they have other areas they could spend that money, and spending that money in those other areas would be a much better choice. While I've got you here, I want to talk really fast about something that Mike Pettin said in his news conference today. As quoted in the Green Bay Press-Gazette, here's a brief paragraph that they wrote. He said, or They said, quote, Mike Pettin, when asked where he wants to see the biggest improvement from last season, he says, and this is his quote now, one area I don't think we were very good on was first down, especially against play action. That was an off-season study. Double end quote, and the Pettin quote, and end the quote from the piece. The Packers indeed were abysmal on first down uh, on defense last year. I don't have the exact number on play action, but just by pure yards per attempt, the Packers were worse against the pass on first downs than any other down by a wide margin. They were the best on third downs, giving up just 4.8 yards per pass attempt. Second best was fourth down, just 5.8 yards again, so a yard worse but not terrible. Second down, not so good. 7.7 yards per attempt passing for other teams against the Packers defense. But on first down, on first down, they gave up a whopping 8.4 yards per attempt. That's absolutely crazy. Just think about that. That's less than two yards to go on second, third, or even fourth down, just on average. On every passing play, why would you do anything other than pass against the Packers defense on first down in 2018? It boggles the mind. If the Packers are going to improve anywhere on defense, that is a good place to start. And that, to circle back to our discussion about important players on defense, is why I think guys like Jair Alexander are so important to the team this year. Rushing the passer is great, but if they don't have anywhere to go with the ball, that's even better. And then those pass rushers can really clean things up for you. That's one thing I'm going to be watching this year and something that I think could have a big effect on the Packers defense. So I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate everybody who takes the time to download an episode and tune in. If you liked what you heard and want to help us keep the good stuff going, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and be sure you subscribe. That helps more people find the show. If you'd like to take your support to that next level, head to patreon.com slash the power sweep and donate $1 per month. Just a buck is enough to help us offset our hosting cost for the the podcast and for thepowersweep.com and we really appreciate it as well. And don't forget to check out our great t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you got an idea for the show or just want to say hi, reach us through thepowersweep.com on Facebook or Twitter or by emailing thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. Because 
Everybody who reaches out helps make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better, which helps us make everybody smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.